You're listening to a message from Canby Foursquare Church in Canby, Oregon. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to you. Visit canbyfoursquare.com to learn more. It's a part two of our deep dive into the Acts 3 and 4. Uh, if you missed last week, that's okay. No judgment. I wanted to give a quick recap of what we went over in Acts 3, 1 through 10, where we saw Peter and John facilitate. It's the first recorded healing performed after Jesus' ascension into heaven. I see recorded because there could have been one in there. We don't know, but, you know, Luke didn't write about it, so we're just going to go with this. Uh, and it's the importance of looking up to God's plan is what we talked about last week and how important it is to look up when God says, look at me. When God is saying, hey, fix your eyes on me, look at me, do we keep our eyes down or do we choose to look up to God? Do we choose to fix our eyes on him and see what he has for us instead of maybe what we would expect or what the world might have for us? Uh, I was thinking about this this week as I was finishing up this sermon. Sorry, guys, I'm popping all over the place. Let me move this thing around. There we go. Um, I was thinking about this. Is like, could you imagine being the first person to do something crazy like what Peter did? Like, this is the first recorded healing performed after Jesus went to heaven, and Peter gets, like, Peter's name is staked on it. I was trying to think of something this week, like, what's, what's something crazy I could put my name on? Like, that's on my tombstone um, for my wife to roll her eyes at one day of, like, Ryan, the first person to, I, I'm still working on it. Uh, I'm still working on it, but it's going to be there. There's going to be a plaque in memory of Ryan, the very first person to do this. And it's going to be something totally dumb, and I'm fine with that. But I, I just, I'm, think, I'm trying to think, like, Lord, what's the first, like, what's the crazy thing I could be the first one to do? Um, but do we look up to Jesus, church, when he says, look at me? When we, when we look up to Jesus, church, like we talked about last week, miracles happen. We live out God's plan. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and solve this now. That way, haha. I'm like, nope. I'm sorry, church. Take a, take five. This morning we will be going into Acts 4 as we look at standing up to God's plan. Thank you, Ryan. I'm just going to, we're going to, we're going to transition. Standing up to God's plan. I can, uh, I can be really good at standing up for things or standing up to things uh, when it comes to it, like, uh, like spiders. I'm really good at standing up to spiders. I'm really good at standing up to like other small bugs. You know, uh, I'm uh, even the occasional snake. Like I'm really good at standing up to a snake. But when I am pressed, I'll be honest, it's hard to stand up for God when the pressure is on. This is the this is the great transition that is made in our lives when we make the commitment to look up, church. When we choose to look up to God, we put our faith in him, and more importantly, we keep our eyes on him when we are willing to be to just step out in faith and we were willing to go to bat for God. This is a baseball term. I know we're in baseball season. That was for Ron if he's watching right now and laughing at my microphone mishaps. Just for that going to bat for God, when God, has, when God had chosen us and called us out and he said, you are my people, I'm going to use you to glorify my name in this world. We, we step up to that call and we say, we are willing to step out and say yes to that challenge. We are willing to step out and say, yes, I will look up to you and I will stand up for you. I will stand up for the good news of Jesus. And Peter and John had already arrived at this conclusion. They, were, they had already been pretty good at looking up to Jesus. I mean, they physically got to see him all the time. 
for about three years. They had their time looking up. Peter, though, had his faults, but uh, what makes Peter such a great example and goal for us is that he, if he can fail and he can refocus his attention back on Jesus, then, then so can we, right? We can do it too. He's a great example because we think sometimes that if we fail or if I fail or I mess up, that's it. And like, no, if Peter can literally betray Jesus three times and then refocus his attention on Jesus and then go on to do what he did, we can do it too. And so last week we ended with the lame man being healed, this man who could not walk. He was born this way. He was unable to walk for his entire life. We saw the excitement and the joy he displayed when he danced into the temple. It's one of my favorite parts of the story. He danced into the temple courts, full of God's presence. He stood up for the faith that made him stand. He stood up for that faith in Jesus and that proclamation, that declaration that Peter made when he said, I don't have anything, but what I do have, I'm willing to give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And he was willing to stand up for that faith that made him stand. He was not ashamed of it. He had that childlike faith that Jesus talks about um, all the time in, in, in the Gospels. It was, it was so new to him. He was unashamedly, as he unashamedly just danced in the temple. And it makes me think of like, how can we, how can we capture those moments? How can we capture that faith? How can we hold on to that as we continue to grow as we, and develop in our faith, as we go like physically older as well? How do we capture these moments of childlike faith? And I'm so grateful. I have our daughter, Shauna, because she reminds me of this every day. Uh, every morning, our son wants to put on music to listen to while we make breakfast or eat breakfast. And we put on this uh, channel on Spotify called Pink Fong, um, which if you recognize the name, you probably kids, you know that name. They're the geniuses behind Baby Shark. Um, so you're welcome. You're all, it's all in your head now. And, but when we put it on, Baby Shark, of course, is Shauna's favorite song right now. As soon as it starts, now, it used to be she would just bob her head back and forth like this in the house. But now it's hands up, bobbing her head. And as soon as it starts, I'm not going to do it, but she just screams. Like, picture the most audible, loudest scream a one-and-one-month-old young girl could make, and that's, that's what she does as she hears the song come on and she just gets to dance. And I want that childlike vulnerability and openness with my faith, too, where it's like, as soon as I know it's time, I'm just going to scream and I'm going to go for it. But as is the case for most new believers, he has given, he, this, this man is given this harsh awakening that comes with faith, that this is where things pick up for us today and see our faith is in God who created the world and thus is beyond the world as well. The world cannot understand our hope and our joy at the same level we do. The, hope, the world can understand hope and joy. They can, they can comprehend those words and what they mean. But there is a spiritual side and a supernatural spiritual side of hope and joy that can only come from God. And the world can't understand that. They don't understand our hope and our joy, and so because of that, it can't understand. It finds ways, and it challenges our new faith. It even challenges faith of people who have been leaving for a long time. I know my faith is challenged constantly, as I'm sure uh, a lot of ours is too, or yours is too. The world can be like a swift punch to the face sometimes, in the words of a guy named A.J. Svoboda. He's a famous speaker, and... It just sometimes seems to knock us out or hit us like right in the jaw or like right in the gut. And it seems like as we are, our faith is building, the world likes to come in and just try and knock us down. And he actually, Adrian Sabota, he, he said this once and I heard him say it that like, I wish we could just give every new believer like a punch in the face so they know what's like coming for them. 
And I know that, like, maybe, I, maybe not me, but there might be some people in the room that might be more vocal with their faith if they know they just got to punch someone the moment they converted them. Some of you are like, yes. Those of you who laughed are like, I would do it. And some people are like, how dare he make that joke? That's not okay. But So we're going to start. I want to read uh, Acts chapter 3, verses 11 through 13 before we get in Acts chapter 4. And this is the immediate aftermath of Peter and John healing this man. He's in the temple courts. They're doing these. Uh, people are sh- in shock and awe. And this is what happens in 3, 11 through 13. We're going to read the first part of 13. It says, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. Where Peter, when Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us if by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant, Jesus. And it, you can see that in a moment, this man's joy, his dancing, his hope, his joy, like he's putting on display for everyone to see, like, look at me walk, is immediately taken away the moment the crowds start to come around and murmur and speak how is this possible what is wrong did this was this guy faking it the whole time he begins it says he says he clings on to peter and john and i the only reason i can think that he's clinging on to peter and john is because he's scared but without skipping a beat peter and john sees this amazing opportunity to give god the glory for what has just happened when we look up to god's plan we can't help but give god the glory and then stand up for God's plan. So we talked about last week, when we look up to God's plan, we give him, we glorify him for, for these amazing things that he can do. And then the next step would be to stand up for God's plan. Peter teaches the crowds that have gathered exactly how this man was able to walk. It was not them, it was not anything they did, but it was the power of God. And he goes on to teach them about the resurrection of Jesus. He begins to speak, it says, boldly, led by the Holy Spirit about the power of the resurrection that God was able to achieve through Jesus. And it is then that the religious leaders who are standing by listening realize how dangerous what they are saying could be to them, their authority, their position, and they could not understand the level of hope and joy that Peter and John were professing in Jesus, uh, so they had them arrested. Just straight up, had them arrested. It says like, oh, what are you guys, what are you guys saying? You can't be talking like this. We just killed that guy not that long ago. Now you're saying he's he came back? Like we're gonna and it says actually as we read last week that this was about three in the afternoon when the healing happened and they walked in temple court. So it's getting to the point where it's becoming nightfall. And it says it's became so late that they arrested them and they threw them in prison. Also, I would like to point out, this is really funny and ironic, that the, the irony behind the fact that uh, we are now this week talking about the ability to stand up for Jesus when just before this moment, this man was literally not able to stand up for Jesus. Haha, <laughs> thank you. Some of you guys gave me some courtesy laughs, thank you. But the power behind that this man was thrust into the opportunity, this layman, to physically stand, not only physically, but also spiritually stand up for his faith moments after being able to stand for the first time. Talk about like running before you walk at that point. Um, Would we face the challenge? I want to ask these questions. Would we face the challenges of reading our Bible at work or on our break maybe? If you're like most people, we tend to pick your, you tend to pick your battles. We tend to only like to face fights or take on challenges and fights that we think we can win. I'm kind of this way. I can be very strategic. I love strategic board games and like 
games that make you think and anticipate what your opponent might do and try and do your own thing and win, uh, which is, and that's the smart way to try and, you know, be a winner, I guess you'd say. Um, but this is why Sabrina doesn't play board games with me anymore or strategy games because she is ultra competitive. You wouldn't know it, it just by looking at her, but she's amazingly competitive and she really, really likes to win and she does not enjoy losing. I don't know anyone who actually enjoys losing. Some of us are really good losers, like really good job. We can be good sports. Not our son. He's still struggling with that because he's five. Sabrina does not like losing and so that's why she doesn't play games with me anymore because I always win. So. But what would it look like if we didn't shy away from the moments we were afraid to face? What would it look like if we took on challenges that were not a sure thing, that we weren't completely confident we could achieve, that we would win? What would it look like uh, to take on the challenges of faith that were not a sure thing? We'll go back. What would it look like maybe to read your, your Bible on your break at work, in the break room where everyone can see, not on your phone, so it looks like you're just scrolling on ESPN, TikTok, Instagram, you name it. Or students like who are listening online or in the room, what it look like to read your Bible at lunch? Would we be willing to have a hard conversation as a loving in a loving and understanding manner with someone who does not think the same way we do? And still walk away friends. Anyone can stand up for God and his plan when it's easy. I'm really good at preaching to a bunch of people who believe in God, I would be terrified to be speaking to a room right now full of people who don't believe. I'd be afraid of what they might say, what they might do, how they might respond. What does it look like for us as a church today to stand up for him when it's hard? Because church, it's getting harder. I can say without a doubt that it's not by victimizing others or making others the enemy. We don't elevate God by dragging down others. We elevate God by elevating others when we encourage them, when we believe the best in them. And here's a hard one. When we say yes to people who don't deserve our yes. When we say yes to people who don't deserve our yes, but we do so because it is an opportunity for them to say yes to God. Thankfully, Peter was not afraid of this moment. Him and John stood up. We, we wouldn't have the finish of this story if they were. Peter and John go before the Sanhedrin, which is a fancy word for the, it's the religious leaders of that time. It'd be like a big panel, like a courtroom full of these religious leaders. And they go before them uh, the next day and they stand trial for the words that they spoke. And so I want to read, I'm going to read Acts chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. And it's the exchange and it's Peter's response. Sorry, I was counting on having two hands here. <laughs> Um, this is how Peter is able to respond the following day and what they're able to do and how they're able to stand up. And then we're going to talk about what that means for us. So starting in verse 7, it says this. It says, they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, by what power and what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and uh, being asked about how he was healed, healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, when you, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that is the man, I'm sorry, this, that this man stands before you healed. 
Jesus is the stone which the builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished that they took and they took note of these men and how they had, they had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there before them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the, uh, the Sanhedrin, and they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign, and we can't deny it. But to stop this thing from speaking any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in his name. Then they called them again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go, and they could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. Man, amen to Peter and John and their boldness. Am I right? They're standing trial right now. They're being questioned, like, how did you do this? Well, it's Jesus. Jesus. Jesus did it. We didn't do it, Jesus, but he did it. And then they say, well, we can't let them say that. People are going to know. People will find out. We can't let them say that. But church, this is God's design. Let him do the amazing and possible work that only can happen when we look up to him and we let him have control. Then we get to stand up for him and point the amazing work back to God. We give him the glory and he does the rest. It's easy. Like, it's foolproof. It's kind of crazy, but it's so crazy it might just work. Like, we get to look to God. We get to let him do something amazing. We get to tell people how amazing he is. Dunzo. I don't want to, I'm not trying to oversimplify it, but God gives us the example of Peter and John, and they looked up to him, and they looked at him, they let him do the miracle, and then they stood up for him. Standing up for God's plan, church. It's, it's not as hard as I think we sometimes make it out to be. Something my old basketball coach used to tell me all the time when I was struggling was this, don't overcomplicate something that is simple. Especially when he would say it like this, because usually this immediately followed that. It's a free throw, Ryan. No one's guarding you. I'm not kidding. It's a free throw. I struggled for some reason when the pressure's on and everyone's staring at you and you're like, why are you looking at me? Oh my gosh, I'm the only one who gets to have the ball right now. It's so special, but I'm probably going to miss. No one is guarding you, is what he would say. Whenever I watch basketball, actually, it's with, and sometimes Sabrina watches it with me, but she gets really frustrated because like, people take free throws and she's like, how can these guys make so much money, but they can't make a, a shot? We're literally, like, they're not even that far away. No one's guarding them and they still miss. And I try and be like, oh, well, the pressure's on, like, Everyone in the stadium's looking at them. Like, people are heckling them. People are banging those noisy things. And she's like, it's still a free shot, though. With God on our side, nothing can hope to prevail against you. And I want to say this. You may miss, but that doesn't mean you didn't plant some kind of a seed or you didn't do something. You were already bought with a price, and you have access to the Holy Spirit in you right now. You can do this. I want to be overly encouraging right now and say, if all you needed this morning was for someone to tell you, you can do this, let it be me right now. You can do this. You can stand up for God's plan. You can stand up for his glory. You can give God the glory for things happening in your life. You can. 
You can stand up for God's plan over your life, and you can give God the glory for your life. You are God's plan A. He doesn't make mistakes. He has no use for a plan B because he's God. He's got a perfect plan, and it's being executed daily right now. And you are his plan A. Live in the boldness of knowledge that knowing that the God who made everything looked at you and said, you are my best option. You are my favorite option. Psalm 35, verse 11 says it like this. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations, church, his plan echoes and moves forward and is pushed forward by every new generation. This generation, many generations sitting in this building this morning or listening online this morning, his plan is still at work in every individual generation being pushed forward, being used for his glory so the whole world might know that he loves them. We can live that, that, that stand-up lifestyle, you know, that stood-up lifestyle. We can live that lifestyle stood up so that our thoughts, our words, our choices, our decisions are constantly in support of the faith we have in Jesus. It's not easy, but we can do it. 1 Peter 3.15 says it like this. Uh, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you the reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. This is one of my favorite verses. And I, I think I say that in almost every sermon I teach. I'm like, this is my favorite. I, I like a lot of verses. I'm sorry. But this is the charge we all get to leave with today. If someone asked you why you have hope in Jesus, what would you say? Would your answer make uh, sense to someone who doesn't believe? I want to challenge us to make sure we have a good answer to this question. Think about the impact your answer could have. God is speaking to all of us saying, look at me. We talked about this last week when Peter and John are being, are being asked for money. And they just say, look at us. And the man lifts his eyes up to them. And he chooses to look away from what he would expect or what he might, you know, be normally getting. And he looks up with hope. And Peter and John say, what money and gold we don't have, but what we do have, we give. Are we listening to hear the voice of God when he says, look at me? Are you expecting something good from God or, are you, or is our eyes down waiting for something that changed that we don't think is possible? Are we looking up when we hear it? Are we standing up for God's plan when we see it challenged? When we are looking up to God's plan, we cannot help but stand up for God's plan, church. If you're going to hear me or take away anything from the past two Sundays, let it be this. It, when we are looking up to God's plan, we cannot help but stand up for God's plan. These are the questions we all get to answer in life. You'll find that the more you focus on these issues, the more God will give you opportunities to face them in real time and in real life head on. And if, you're, if, that, if that brings fear or anxiety or something over you when I say Let's go out and let's do this. Let's, be, let's have an answer to this question. Let's take on these challenges. If that brings a little bit of a stop for you, that's okay. But we want to be able to pray for you. We want to be able to help you through these emotions, through these processes. Like, how do I do this? What's the process of standing up for God? I want to look to him. I want to stand up. But it, it makes me nervous to think we're gonna have, we will have prayer teams available up front. And if that's you, we want to invite you to come up and receive prayer. We want to invite you to come up and be encouraged 
have someone elevate you and lift you up so you can go out and you can elevate and lift someone up as well. We, wanna, we want to be able to be a church who prays a lot, <laughs> elevates people, and we send people out to go elevate and encourage others as well. Who knows, church, maybe tomorrow we'll be standing up for God's plan in some way. At work, uh, you know, hanging out with friends if you're a student. As you go about your day and as you talk with people on the phone or maybe you have someone coming to work on your house and they're late, how are you standing up for God's plan? How are you glorifying God with the way you treat people with your actions this week? And who knows, you might have an opportunity to share your story or give your answer for why you have hope, why you can have hope in this world in Jesus. And the, the question I have, I want to send us all away with this morning is this, is, does the, is that answer a good one? Is it one that would make sense? Is it one that would someone would hear and they would bring hope into their life or maybe plant a seed there that's going to sprout later on because of the boldness you had to say something? We all, have, we all have to be ready to give an answer for the hope we have. What does that look like for us as individuals? If you need help, again, we want to pray for you this morning. And would you guys pray with me as we close this morning? God, thank you for... Uh, your word, thank you for the, the, the boldness we get, to all, we, we get on display constantly as we read your Bible from your disciples, from your believers, from people who follow you, Jesus. We pray that we would be in, that foot, in those footsteps, Lord, that we'd be following that path, that your church would be bold to stand up and say we are going to boldly walk out. And when people challenge us, when our faith is challenged, we have a good answer for why we have hope, for why we have joy that people can't understand. Lord, I pray that as we step out of these doors, we would be ready, not just wanting to, but actually ready to give an answer for the hope we have, that we could stand up for that. Lord, I pray that we would walk out of this building this morning, our eyes fixed on you, ready to keep our eyes looking up so we can stand up for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening. Please let us know if you have questions or would like us to pray with you. You can contact the church office most weekdays at 503-266-4444 and anytime through canbyfoursquare.com.